Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the way, you are the truth, you are our life. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together and to sing and to talk about you and to think about you. Help us as we enter into kind of this next time of us gathering together. Help us focus our mind, uh, focus our heart on who you are, on what you're all about, on what you've promised, what you're doing in our lives today, on what you're doing in the future. And I just thank you for that truth, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus, that even in the hard times, even in the storms in our life, we have this opportunity to praise you, to thank you, to focus on you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Hey, go ahead and have a seat. I have a question for you. Are you a good liar? Tell the person next to you, no. I mean, if you told me that you were or wouldn't a good liar, I'd kind of believe you. And then if you're a good liar, I would never know if you actually were or not. There's a survey done in 2019. And it was asked, how many times a year do people lie? What's your answer to that? How many times a year do you lie? We're not going to go around the room or anything. Yeah, the person who said zero right up front, you just lied. So that's one. Okay. Here was the answer. They said 48 times a year. Not quite one lie a week, and I am confident that is a lie. It's kind of ironic to ask a question about lying, because if a liar is asked about lying, why wouldn't they just, you know, lie? That's kind of the way it works. But in that same survey, the top three lies that people tell in America were identified. So here are the top three lies that we tell. Here's the first one. Do you say this one or not? Everything is fine. You ever said that one? Did you say it today? I've said it like seven times today. Like out in the atrium, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's fine. And then you're like, everything is anything but fine. You're like, I'm having a bad day. My feet hurt. I didn't sleep well or whatever it is. Check this out. It kind of reminds you of this meme. Have you seen this meme before? You're in the middle of the fire and you're like, fine, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. This is a lie that we tell, the most common lie that Americans tell. Here's number two, that you like a gift that you didn't actually like. So Christmas time, everybody's gathered around the Christmas tree and you're like, thank you, mom, for the socks and the underoos. I'm 38 years old, but thank you very much for the underoos. I would have preferred Spider-Man over Batman, but that's okay. So you lie about the gift that you didn't actually like. We do this all the time. We're just trying to be polite. I get that. Here's the third one. This is a doozy, that you're too busy to do something. A hush goes over the crowd because you're like, they're on to us. Like when you're like, hey, I'm, I'm too busy. We got too much going on. And we're like, actually, I'm checking out Netflix and popping the popcorn. I'm going to bed early. Like that is not the definition of too busy, but okay. And here's my guess. No matter how many times a year you lie, whether it's 48 or 480 or 4,080 or whatever, that you have been hurt by someone not telling the truth, that you have hurt somebody else by not telling the truth. And the truth matters. The truth is important, and I believe that the truth is a real thing, and it is knowable, it is livable. Now, this is the last week of a teaching series we've been in, and we're calling it True-ish. 
The series we've been talking about how absolute truth, kind of right and wrong, is a real thing. And it matters in our lives. And it matters in our relationships. The truth helps us understand what is right and what is wrong. And the pursuit of truth and holiness actually leads to a life of happiness and joy. Now, in the context of truth, we talked about two of the biggest lies. We're going to kind of recap that. Here's one of the biggest lies in the context of truth. It's called relativism. You can go home and you can found, sound fancy at work this week. But when we assume there is no such thing as absolute truth, that is called relativism. And that is a lie. Absolute truth is a real thing. It comes from God. Truth doesn't change. It doesn't flex over time or anything like that. If it's changing, it was never truth in the first place. And this is a huge lie. Here's the second one. It's called subjectivism. That's I, the subject, I as an individual have the right to determine what is right and what is wrong. I don't have to check in with you. I don't have to check in with God. I don't have to check in with anyone else. It's how I feel about it. It's me, myself, and I making those decisions. And that also is a lie. I don't get to determine what is true any more than you get to determine what is true. That doesn't mean we have to discern and figure it out. But it's not just a bunch of opinions. It's not how we feel. Truth is truth, whether I believe it or not. It's right or wrong, whether I live that way or not. And it is always in alignment with who God is and what he's all about. So relativism and subjectivism are true-ish. They're attractive. They're easy for us to kind of slip into. And sometimes they look and sound true to us. But if we actually pause, we actually pay attention to who God is and what his truth is, there is a right and there is a wrong. But here's the thing. We live in a gray world, don't we? It's difficult for us to wrap our mind around the black and the white. At times when we're talking about what's right and wrong, it can, it can get kind of heated. I mean, think, oh, let's example off the top of my head. What's something that is difficult and we argue about a lot? I don't know. Politics? That's funnier than you guys acted like it was. <laughs> but the reality is we argue, don't we? about it, like pretty fast. It's not that hard to find something that we disagree about. Sometimes we argue about things in our community, things in our family, things that we believe to our core are right or are wrong that are actually just kind of true-ish. There are opinions or the way that we live. There are all sorts of examples like that in our lives, in our world. I mean, one that's in my family is, you know, my wife, Abby, has a very strong opinion on how we should fold the towels. I do not do that correctly. It's trifold, in case you're wondering. That's her opinion. That's the right opinion, so I don't fold towels anymore. <laughs> but the reality is it's hard to, to figure out what is true sometimes. And there's so many debates. There's so much incomplete or inaccurate information. There's so much to navigate when it comes to truth. Now, I was recently reading about the defamation trial between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Anybody get sucked into that? You're lying. A lot of you got sucked into that. A lot of you did. It's wild. I mean, the accusations are all over the place. It doesn't really matter kind of whose side you fall on or anything like that. But they're talking about how they spent their time, how they spent their money, how they treated one another. But you know what really got me? So they both get up on the witness stand and they say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. And then they say exactly the opposite thing that someone else says. Both of them cannot be telling the truth. Does that sound familiar? Because that happens in our lives every day. 
We contradict ourselves. We, we don't know where to go. It's impossible for us to be always telling the truth. And truish statements are all around us. So today we're going to talk about these three true-ish statements. There are three statements that aren't true. They're lies, actually. And how they interact with our relationships and ourselves and our view of God. So these are three incredibly prominent, true-ish statements that we tell about ourselves. They're not the white lies. They're not, hey, you shouldn't be telling that your grandma's burnt casserole is good. It's not good. That's not where we're going. We're going a little bit deeper than that. So check this out. True-ish statements about ourselves. Here they are. I'm not a bad person. You have no right to tell me how to live. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone, I can do what I want. We haven't fun yet. We squirming in our seats yet. We're going to get real today. And I, I would tell you that it's not going to get uncomfortable, but that'd be a lie. And I'd kind of contradict myself up here. So here's the first one. I'm not a bad person. Have you ever told this lie? I tell this lie. It's even uncomfortable even talking about this. This is what it sounds like. At least I'm not that guy. Have you ever said something like that? At least I'm not her. But this is really kind of what it sounds like. Because we start with, hey, I'm not an axe murderer. I don't know if there's a lot of axe murderers running around or anything. But that's kind of been our standard for a long time. But it sounds more like this. I don't understand how that mom could treat her kids that way. But the subtext is, at least I'm not her. I don't understand how that guy could throw away his life to drugs or to alcohol, but the subtext is, at least I'm not him. And we compare and we go, hey, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person, but I'm saying I'm not a bad person because at least I'm not bad as that other person. And deep down, many of us believe this. I'm not a bad person. I pay my taxes. I go to church. What do you want from me, man? I'm not bad. So that's that first lie. Here's the second one. You have no right to tell me how to live. I recently read that 20 years ago, the most quoted Bible verse was John 3.16. You know that verse? For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that anyone who believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's probably three different versions of John 3.16 thrown together and all mushed together. But that's kind of the gist of it. That's not the most quoted verse anymore. You know what it is? Judge not, lest ye be judged. On social media, that is the most quoted verse. That's from Matthew 7. And if you read all of Matthew 7, we aren't quoting it correctly at all. Not even close. We take it out of context and we say, you have no right to tell me what to do. You can't judge me. We're okay with judging others. I mean, that's fine. But we have no problem with judging others. You just don't want that back at yourself. And we take a look at our social media feeds. We take a look at our favorite news station feeds. And we have no problem with discerning truth when it comes to how we feel or what we want. But we deeply believe that no one has the right to tell me how to live. You don't know me. You don't know my truth. You don't get to tell me how to live. And that's a lie. And here's the third one. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, I can do what I want. And do you see how these kind of progress? Do you see how they build? You're like, I'm not a bad person. And because I'm not a bad person, you have the right to tell me how to live. And because you don't have the right to tell me how to live, as long as I'm not hurting anybody, who gets to be the judge of that, by the way? Me, not you. I can do what I want. They're all lies in some fashion. They're attractive lies. They help us feel better about some things. But these lies are destructive. They're not helpful. 
And here's why. Do you see how these lies are all about me? They're about our feelings, about our opinions, about what we want, our own thoughts. It's all about us. There's no God in this. There's no even really other people in this. So why do I think that these statements are lies? Or maybe a better question, what is the truth when it comes to these three statements? So we're going to navigate these lies right here. So we're going to talk about these two true statements about ourselves. And I have a warning. This is a disclaimer. This is not warm and fuzzy. This is not a popular truth. We're not going to be excited about it. I'm not fond of it. But here we go. Here's the first one. Here's the truth. You actually are a bad person. You're like, sheesh, Adam. Like, chill pill, man. Like, welcome to the ridge. (laughs) Where you are a bad person. Where nothing matters if people don't matter and you terrible. (laughs) It It ain't great. I understand. But hear me out. This is 1 John chapter 1, starting verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, if we claim we are not the bad people, if we claim we have no sin, we never make mistakes, it's all about us, my truth, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. See, if we claim we're a bad person and that you can't tell me what to do because I'm a good person and as long as it's not hurting anyone and I get to judge that, I can do what I want. If we claim we have no sin, what does the Bible say? What does this say? It says we're fools because you and I actually are bad people, as uncomfortable as that makes us. And this, we're talking about this in the context of God. We're talking about this in the context of black and white, yes or no. And the reality is we have something called sin. Sin is just simply falling short of God's standard. I sin, you sin, all God's people sin. It's just a part of it. And if we say we don't, we're only fooling ourselves. We're not fooling God. It's a lie. I'm a good person is a lie. It doesn't feel good, but it causes us to believe that if we're able to decide what is true and what's not true based only on ourselves, that's unhealthy, it's selfish. Our feelings change. Our circumstances change. Cultures change. Truth does not. Let's do a little exercise. I've seen this done before. Like where somebody like me up here says, all right, like if this sin identifies you, you're going to raise your hand. I'm not going to do that. Okay? I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you elbow the person next to you. I'm not going to make you comment online. I'm not going to make you tally it off. But we're going to go through a few things. And I just want you to think about it. Kind of raise your hand in your head. Just identify it in your own life. Are there some of these things that maybe push you on to the bad person category, rather the good person category? You don't even have to make eye contact with me. You're not anyway. It's fine. Here we go. Have you ever lied? Yes or no, just answer yourself. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen something, even that double bubble gum when you were like in second grade or whatever? Have you ever gossiped behind somebody's back? Have you ever eaten more than you should? Have you ever had too many drinks, too many pills? Have you ever had lustful thoughts that led you to do some things that you shouldn't have ever done? Have you ever been super jealous of somebody else's job? somebody else's family, somebody else's stuff. 
Have you ever lost your temper and you said something you shouldn't have? Now, I was thinking, like, what if you had never lied up until that list, and then I said, like, have you ever eaten more than you should, and you lied about that in your head? What a way to go, man. Like, what a bummer. You had a streak going. That's what you wasted it on. But we didn't say the bad stuff. We didn't say axe murderer, did we? We didn't say any of that stuff. But to God, a sin is a sin. Fallen short is fallen short. A lie is a lie. A thief is a thief. What's the point? See, the point is we are bad people and maybe, just maybe, we should stop judging other people like they're bad and we're not. Or maybe, just maybe, we need to check our heart and align our heart with who God is and what he cares about before we start spouting off about why aren't you living by God's standard. See, that's part of why this is important. But praise God, see, that's not the only truth. That's just the first part of it. So part, first part, you're a bad person. What's the second part of this truth? Here's the second truth. Here it is. The truth is you're a bad person who can find grace with Jesus. That's the truth. And grace, simply defined, it's not getting what we deserve. So since we're bad people, what do we deserve? Well, we fall short of God's standard. We deserve his judgment. We deserve to be separated from him. And we just went through a list and found out maybe we're not so good in the first place. We're bad people and we need help. Here's what I want to say to you. It's okay. It's okay to need help. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to need God's grace. Because we do. That's the truth. And sometimes we think we can do what we want. And if it's not hurting somebody else, and no one else can tell us what to do. But the reality is, if we are bad people who make mistakes, we need the grace of Jesus. So check this out. We're going back to 1 John chapter 1. If we claim we have no sin, if we aren't bad people, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. You and I are bad people, but let's get to the good part. Here it is right here. Check this out. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, not a little, not that one time, every single bad thing that you have ever done, thought of, considered, entered into your world, all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and we're showing that his word has no place in our hearts. See, the truth is we're bad people and the truth is if we confess we're bad people and we fall short of God's standard, we have this opportunity to have grace and be forgiven and that is amazing. If we do that because of Jesus, we're in right relationship with God. But if we have it all together and we act like we have it all together and we post like we have it all together, that we don't need God, we're calling God a liar. So you and I are bad people. And we need grace. And we have access to grace because of who Jesus is. And we're all bad people. We all sin. We're all in the same place. And the story doesn't end there. The truth doesn't end there. We're bad people and we need Jesus. And Jesus is who we need him to be. He's truly good. He's truly holy. 
He's all we need. And John just keeps going. This is the start of chapter 2. He says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. Because the goal is not to just be able to do whatever we want. The goal is not to sin more and more and more and then get forgiven more and more and more. No, the point is to not sin. But check this out. He keeps going. But if anyone does sin, which is all of us all the time, 48 times at least a year if you lie, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He's Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Isn't that amazing? He is who we need him to be. That's the truth above all truths. The truth is that changes the way we interact with God because Jesus steps into our place. We don't need to be perfect because he is. And then he kind of lands it right here. He himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. It's talking about the cross here. And not only our sins, but the sins of the person you don't like, the sin of the person that you can't stand, the sin of the person who's sitting next to you, the sin of you and your mom and your dad and everybody, the sins of the entire world. The truth is we are bad people. The truth is Jesus is the perfect person. The truth is we all fall short of God's standard. The truth is Jesus meets God's standard. The truth is we desperately need help. We desperately need a savior. And the truth is Jesus is our savior and is our help. And the truth is he did sacrifice himself. He did live a perfect life. He did get up on the cross. He did go to a tomb. He did conquer death and raise on the third day. And if that sounds far-fetched to you, good. Because that's miracle stuff we're talking about. That's God stuff we're talking about. And we can do things with this truth. We can accept the truth. So maybe you have and maybe you haven't, but maybe you're in this situation where you're like, hey, I've kind of thought about this. I've kind of believed this, but I don't really, I don't know if I really surrendered my life to this. Well, you can do that. You can accept this truth that these things are true and this grace is real, or you can extend the truth. But it's not your own feelings, it's not your own opinions, it's not your own harshness. It's the truth of God's grace that there is hope and there's joy and there's peace available because of Jesus. And you might be one of the people who are like, you know, God couldn't possibly love me. You don't know what I've done. You know, the church would burn down if everybody knew. But the reality is that's probably all of us. We're all bad people. And grace is available. And it's not about what I've done. It's not about what I'm going to do. It's about what Jesus has already done. We don't have to live like that's not the case. There's so much hope in the midst of this truth. Because if we just get to the point that we can accept, you know what? I do need Jesus. I do need grace. I do need a Savior. Then we get to the point that we can accept and understand that that grace is already there. No, I don't think it would be right to kind of run by this moment. So I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to celebrate what we just talked about through something called communion. Now, communion is just this time as believers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, that we remember that we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, what we were just talking about, that that's all true for us bad people, that we have grace 
And just like it says in 1 John 2, 2, this is what it says. He himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. This is talking about the cross. It's talking about grace. It's talking about truth. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And if we believe in Jesus, listen, if you believe in Jesus, you are forgiven and you have grace that you don't deserve. We receive eternal life even a right relationship with God because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And today to remember the sacrifice and to celebrate that sacrifice, we're going to do something that we call communion. So if you're here in person, if you haven't already, there's communion right there in the seat back in front of you if you'd like to do that with us. If you're at home online, you can go grab the bread, grab the juice, you can pause it, we'll pick up right where we're at. But this communion, this bread and this juice symbolizes the grace and the truth that we're talking about. The bread represents the body of Jesus that's broken on the cross. The juice represents his blood spilled on the cross that saves all of us bad people. The whole world. So right now, just take a minute or two and to focus on God, to thank God for what he's done, and then we'll kind of wrap up and we'll take communion together. This little cracker, just this little cracker represents Jesus' body. If you haven't taken it yet, go ahead and take it right now. this juice right here, it symbolizes his blood that was spilled on the cross for us, for us bad people. It's a symbol of grace and truth. So if you haven't taken that, go ahead and take that right now. Just kind of wrap up that moment. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the truth that leads to life. Thank you that we can start a conversation with we're bad people and in with, but you are so good that you extend this love and this grace to us that is free, that we can't earn, we don't deserve, but is amazing and full and rich. We're thankful for that, what this represents. Help us live like this matters, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you and me. We're in the same boat. We're bad people who can receive the grace of Jesus. And that changes everything. And check this out. This is how kind of he continues in 1 John. This is what he says. And we can be sure that we know him if what? We obey his commandments. If we follow him. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So if you live your life in a way that surrenders to the truth of Jesus, the truth of the Bible, the truth of what he has to say, that's how you know if you're living in the truth. So how do we apply this to our lives? How do we go throughout a week knowing what the truth and grace is? How do we extend it to other people? And I've been 
challenged by this. I think we overcomplicate this. I think we get confused about this. We make it about a bunch of things that it isn't. So I just want to end our time together challenging you with just two things. Here's the first one. Find one way to speak God's truth this week. What is one way you can speak God's truth? Maybe there's someone you know who needs to hear the truth of what we just talked about today. And they'll hear it from you in a way they wouldn't hear it from anybody else. Or maybe you're living a life that's a lie. Maybe you're living a life that is stealing from your boss or having an affair and the truth needs to come out. Or you know somebody isn't living in a healthy way and you've never been bold enough, you've never been kind enough, you've never lovingly said to you, hey, you you aren't okay, let me help you. This isn't good. So how can you speak God's truth this week? Here's the second one. Find one way to extend God's grace this week. Now, some of us find it easier to extend grace. Some of us find it easier to extend truth. I'm challenging you to extend both, a full measure of both of them. And maybe someone you know is living the wrong way. You've told them so over and over and over again. What does it look like to love them? What does it look like to give extravagant grace that they don't deserve? Maybe you have a relationship that you're struggling with. How do you extend grace in a way that shows the love and truth that we're talking about? Maybe you're struggling with a child. Maybe you're struggling with a friend. Maybe somebody has hurt you. Can you extend grace? Find one way as you just live your normal everyday life to extend God's grace this week. Because the truth is, we're all bad people and we all need the grace of Jesus. And maybe you've believed that for the first time today, or maybe you've believed that for a really long time. But the reality is, no matter what, grace is something we don't deserve. And the truth is, grace loves us perfectly. So find a way to extend truth, to extend grace. And while you do, thank God for this amazing grace of Jesus that is perfect, that we don't deserve, and that even in the midst of us making mistakes and that we're bad people, it's okay to not be okay because God has extended grace beyond our wildest comprehension. That's the truth. Bow your heads with me. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, your truth is so important. And oftentimes, we like the grace part, but we don't like the truth part. Or we want people to live by the truth part, but it's hard for us to extend the grace part. So this week, I don't know what that looks like for everybody. I don't know how to play that out. But God, you do. You know what truth needs to be spoken. You know what truth needs to be believed. You know what grace needs to be extended. You know what grace needs to be accepted. And so I ask right now, on behalf of everybody hearing these words, that you would help us, you would prompt us to live in a way this week that extends your truth and your grace in a way that brings you honor and glory. And it helps us remember that the reason we can do it is because you've done it first for us.
You love us so much you sent Jesus. And that's the truth. And it's in that truth we receive this grace, this amazing, this full, this never-changing grace. Thank you for your truth and grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.